Good morning, everybody. Praise God. I want to welcome everyone to this very unique service this morning. Uh, this is a service we call Kingdom Conversation, taken from the concept in the scriptures. Uh, giving you a couple of examples in Mark chapter 4 and also in Luke chapter 10. Jesus taught a parable of the sowing of the seed, uh, the parable of the sowing of the word. And uh, after I had finished teaching, his disciples came to him and said, I asked him a few questions. So basically what we've done is we set this time aside after we've done any uh, unique teaching for a period of time. In this case, we've been teaching for over a week on the mind of Christ. And from last Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And so this morning, we're going to give you the unique opportunity to ask questions that may help you bring clarity and understanding to the subject matter. Now, just so I establish some ground rules here, whatever comments or questions you have, please have the mind of Christ and be sure that those questions and comments are relevant to the subject matter. We are not talking eschatology here this morning, so don't bring those kind of questions. If you do, I will lovingly check you. Amen? but I'm trusting that you will comply in Jesus' name. Amen. So just to uh, establish uh, for some of you that may have been absent, and by the way, my Oyibo, my, 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 okay, for those of you that don't know, that's Mr. Derek. Uh, yeah. I call him my Oyibo. Oyibo means, okay, I don't, I don't want to say what it means. <laughs> and I do that because he went with me on a trip to Nigeria. How many years ago was that? about seven or eight years ago, this is a true story. The entire staff there thought it was Caucasian. <laughs> Until one day, he spoke to me in Yoruba, and he said, oh, you both understand Yoruba? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it. They actually thought this guy is white man. <laughs> but I just want to commend you because you have not been here all week and you got on the platform, and you were saying things that we've been talking about all week. Yes, so just so you guys know how this will of God works and operates. So very quickly, very quickly, uh, let, me just, let me just establish quick, maybe 10 minutes uh, to bring us up to speed as to what we've been talking about here. In Proverbs 4, in verse 23, in the Good News Translation, thank you. Be careful how you think. Why? Why should you be careful? Because your life is shaped by your thoughts. You are a product right now of how you've been thinking for the past months, years, whatsoever. Amen? So last Sunday we began to teach on you have the mind of Christ. And we established from Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, and Hebrews 8, 10, 11, 12, three major areas of blessings that God promised us. And of those areas of blessing, the very first one listed in Hebrews 8, 10 was regarding our minds. God made a promise that he's going to put his laws, his ways, his purpose, his thoughts in our minds. So that, to me, helps me look more closely. If God is thinking my mind is important, then I need to know 
how to employ my mind to follow and to, uh, to follow the principles that God has already uh, established. Amen? Amen? So then next, we went on to define what is the mind of Christ. What does that mean? When you hear the mind of Christ, what does that mean? 1 Corinthians 2.16 from the Passion Translation. No, no, from the Amplified. Tells us that the mind of Christ is the, is the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of God's heart. The thoughts, feelings, and purposes of God's heart. Then in the Passion Translation of the same scripture, we get a little uh, clearer insight to what that means. And simply the Passion Translation says, the mind of Christ is the perceptions of Christ. When you put all these things together, basically what God is saying to us is, me and you have been charged, equipped, we have the capacity to have the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of God's heart, and to have the perceptions of Christ, which means you see things the way Jesus sees them, you do things the way he does them, you have the capacity to do so, you just have to make the right choice. Amen? Then number, then number three, we went on to, to, to determine, like uh, my uh, your boyfriend was saying here a few minutes ago, scientists have proven that 87 to 95% of all physical and mental illness derive from negative thoughts. Now, that, 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 that blew me away to, to see that. 87 to 95%. That's a lot. Amen? And we established that negative thoughts are not your thoughts. Anytime you think anything, anything negative, it's not coming from within you, it's coming from outside of you. You need to be aware of that. Okay? And then we went on to determine that the mind of Christ is a mind of perfect love. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, we define love as being kind and being patient. Amen? Amen. Love doesn't judge doesn't criticize, and does not condemn. Next, we went on to address the fact that the mind of Christ is a mind at peace, both with yourself, with others around you, and even in every negative circumstance. The mind of Christ is a mind that is at peace. And then we, defy, we went on to establish that we do not have two minds or two natures. Amen? Amen. Therefore, we have to give our carnal minds a decent barrier. And we did that on Friday night. Now, to wrap all of this up, it is important that you and I understand we are not sufficient of our own to make any of this happen. This provision, this blessing, this capacity is only and through the Holy Spirit. It is God that is at work in all of us, both to win and to do of his good pleasure. So in any situation we find ourselves, we must always invite Holy Spirit to help us and to guide us in it. Amen? Amen. And so lastly here, as we get into the conversation, I just finally want to let you know that the mind of Christ drives our four focused values for this year. The mind of Christ will help you to pray better. The mind of Christ will help you to serve one another. And by the way, I just want to really commend, uh, as I was looking this morning, uh, I look at Pierre, I look at uh, Chief LT, I look at Steve there. These guys, every service, service in, service out. They are standing there serving this body. I want to commend them. Now, I'm not saying that they say nobody else serves. Please, don't, don't misunderstand me. I know many of us in the background, 
when we're called upon, you guys are serving most of the time. I realize that. But in order to just give a couple of examples, just, 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 to, just to highlight those among us that go beyond the call of duty. That's why I call them out. And so I thank all of you, the rest of you that serve. I really thank God for you. But the point we're making, yes. Yes. But the point I'm making is this. When all of us begin to operate in the mind of Christ, yeah. the capacity that God has already given us, praying will not be a job, and it will not be a, a boring thing any longer. You want to pray. Jesus prayed all night. That is just flowing. Why? That was the thought, the feelings, and the purposes of God's heart. Serving will become second nature to us. Why? Because we serve one another. It is as we serve one another that we grow together. And then, of course, sharing will become automatic. Like my brother Fidelis was praying this morning. People ask you, what happened? And people tell them, God did the lifting. When others are being cast down around you, when you have the mind of Christ and God is lifting you up, you won't have to go to people. They'll come to you and say, Man, how are you doing it? And that gives you an opportunity to share, to look upward and give him the glory and the honor. And of course, giving. What can I say about giving? None of us can ever beat God in giving. When we have the mind of Christ, giving will become natural. You will always be looking for avenues through which your life can be a blessing and a resource so that the kingdom of God can move forward. I'm praying for that time when we will never have to have an often time during the service. Amen. When because we have the mind of Christ, we will know it's our duty, it is our joy, our obligation under God because of what he has done for us that we give to him delightfully, cheerfully, hilariously, beyond and above what a man or a woman can ask us to do. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen? amen? And having said that, the floor is now open. Now, we got the mic very late. So I'm saying that to say to you, you need to move very quickly. If we're dilly-dallying, we're going to close it up and we're going to go home. Floor is open. Questions or comments? Remember, relevancy. I love this. Everybody stays quiet, and then one person will ask a question, and then the floodgate opens. Here we go. Harriet is coming. <laughs> Give what? And by the way, I have these two gentlemen here with me because, you see, I understand I'm not, the, I'm not the complete depository of everything that God is saying. So what I can't answer, they will take or make clarify, make it better so everybody can get good understanding. Praise God. Amen. Harriet, go ahead. Now, I will not tell you what to stay away from or what not to stay away from. Because if I did that, I'm putting you under the law. That's why each one of us, when you read Hebrews 8, 10, 11, 12, in verse 11 of the Hebrews 8, the Bible says, everyone would know him from the least of us to the greatest of us. So what that means is each one of us has the Holy Spirit. And if I'm watching a show or engaging in a conversation that is not edifying, 
The Holy Spirit means the umpire. He will let me know, bank, this is not going to do you any good. This is not going to edify you. You need to ease away from this. So what I'm saying is, I'm not going I'm, I'm to put it in a, in a cookie box and say, everybody, do this or don't do that. What I'm saying to you, press in your eternal life, in your ability to know God, to where when the Spirit of God speaks to you, you know and you hate, hate his voice. Amen? Amen. The, the, but, but is that clear, though? Okay. Thank you. Amen. So, my question, you, um, you mentioned that a lot of times when you're going through your day, you go through something and you have to get yourself and like preach, okay, I have the minds, the feelings, and the thoughts of Christ. And you said that even sometimes you have to pray that over the person that you're relating with, the people that you're relating out there. So, of course, we have the mind of Christ because we've received him as our Savior, and that's why I know I have the mind of Christ. How do I pray that prayer over, so for example, me for my work? Since I'm not the Holy Spirit, I can't say 100% that maybe the people that I relate with are believers, but for this example, I'm saying that they're not. How sure. can I now pray, Father Lord, let them also have the mind, the thoughts, and the feelings, so that when we're relating to that, I am having this mind and thoughts and feelings, but Good. they also are. Good. Because that's. Good. Okay, so, so, so Jesus is our pattern example. Mm -hmm. So you bring that back to Jesus. How did he interact with unbelievers? Because the Bible tells us very clearly, many scriptures, that even sinners were his friends. Mm -hmm. And we know he went and sat in the house of the Pharisee. And had, so, so the point is, how did Jesus navigate that relationship? It comes back to what we said about the mind of Christ is a mind of perfect love. He did not judge them. He did not criticize them. Neither did they condemn them. So what you have to do, what I have to do in that situation is, no matter what's happening around me, because I do not know the relationship of those other people, like you rightly said, I am going to say, Jesus, I receive your mind for how to deal with my boss. I receive your mind for how to deal with my next door, uh, my co-worker. I receive your mind for how to uh, deal in this situation. Because the, at the end of the day, you cannot control what people do to you. You only have control of how you respond to what's happening. And so the issue is, how did Jesus respond in those situations? The Bible says he was led to the slaughter, and he opened not his mouth. For many of us, our biggest issue, that, from what I can see, we want to defend ourselves. We want to defend our territory. We want to defend, quote unquote, our rights. And once you start defending, God has nothing to defend. That's why David said, my defense is of God. To men around you, you may appear to be weak. They may ridicule you and say, oh, this guy, this is a pushover. That's fine. Why? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. You keep on being weak. Because in your weakness, that's when the strength is perfected. That's what the man of Christ is all about. They call him a wine biber. They say he's a devil. Did he respond to them? No. Because he knows who he is. Now, in a case where you know that they are born again, the other side of this equation, mm -hmm. not only are you praying that for yourself, Father, I thank you that I hold your thoughts, the feelings and purposes of your heart in this matter. I also thank you for John Doe because I know she or he is your child, mm -hmm. and therefore I thank you because I know that they have the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of your heart. And God, that you will manifest that in this situation in the name of Jesus, so your name will be glorified. Okay. End of story. Okay. 
You are not satisfied. Okay, what's oh, it? I have another question. Okay, good. Go ahead. But, well, in this example, I actually prayed that prayer for one of my co-workers that I knew she was saved. And it's funny, I was telling my husband that I had a conversation with her, and typically the way she would respond wasn't the same. And I was like, man, I had to, like, salvation, take a step back and take time to thank God that, okay, you actually have seen a good example of it. Because so, it worked. Yes, yes, this week. So... Did but, you Did you all hear that? It worked this week. No, 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 seriously, seriously, because I'm seeing this in my own life. And that's why, that's why I'm telling us, we have to believe the word of God. But not just this passive believing. We have to activate it. Faith is not faith if it's not spoken. Because God made the promises, therefore, I can boldly say so you, it's not enough to just know the promises. Yes, I know the promise. But what am I saying or not saying about it? So I'm glad it worked for you and everybody can hear it. Yes, okay. So my, my next question was, okay, with the, you mentioned some, I think it was on Wednesday, about the gun is at. Huh, yes. And how, so I'm like Pastor Ivy King. I'm not always very, when I get to a place where I'm overly excited, I will call it or overly ready to have a, tell you where to go and how to go. Sometimes for me to restrain, for me to not say what I need to say, I have a tendency of just shutting down. Okay. <laughs> I'm working on it, sir. Yeah. And, uh, on Kuno, so, uh, but I'm standing here praying, I'm like, okay, Father Lord, you know this person, this person themselves, they know you. And I'm talking about just my dealing with my husband sometimes. And I want to tell him exactly how I feel. And I'm thinking, Father Lord, this is not, this is not the way you've called me to be. But it's like, I have that block. So I'm like, Father, I don't want to hold on to these things. Because they're, one, they're not beneficial for me. Even the fact that, yes, they're not beneficial for him as, as well. How do I get to a place where, because I know you were saying, okay, love is patient, love is kind. And I was trying not to judge myself and say, okay, well, you're not being patient and you're being kind right now. It's not mean you're not love because... You have the mind of Christ. But sometimes it's very hard. What, what is the practical way for me to really be able to? Because, yeah, I, I failed in that one okay. <laughs> this okay. week. And, and I'm like, okay, well, how do I get so I'm not holding on to this, whatever it is that it may be, and still be able to speak to my spouse or whoever it is it may be and still see what I'm feeling and have the issue addressed? That's a very good question. I'm going to defer to Dr. Norfolk on that. Because just so they can get involved as well. And uh, if I have anything to add to you, I will. But that's a very good question. Many of us are in that place. Yes. The issue of communication is so very, very important. In fact, it involves being able to share your mind and to share your feelings. Even if the other person does not agree with you, it also involves being able to listen. In other words, what the, person, what the other person says, you are able to repeat it and, and repeat it very exactly. Jumping at any time. And so, um, how are you, how would you be able to control, right, that is what you're asking, to control that emotion that is in you? Christ was able to control his emotions. And if we have the mind of Christ, Christ says, I do nothing except that which I see my Father doing. So you are not going to ask the questions, Lord, what will you do in this circumstance? What are you doing in me at this very moment? At this very moment? How will I respond to my husband? How will I respond to this person? 
These are the emotions that I'm having, the anger. All right. Now, I usually look at anger as an emotion that one expresses because a need has not been met. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. A need has not been met. If I feel disrespected, because what that person is saying kind of disrespects me, I feel that there's no respect from what that person is saying. I get angry. You know why I get angry? Because I am convinced that I have been disrespected. But the truth is, are you really disrespected? Who determines your respect? God determines your respect. It's not what the person is saying that determines your respect. It is God who respects you. And he says that he has respected you. And so if I buy into the lie that I have been disrespected, of course I'm going to get angry. But if I trust God that he has already given me respect, and I have that self-respect, and that respect is immaterial, it does not depend on what the other person does or what he doesn't do. Of course, I will keep my cool. And that will be one way to control that anger that is boiling up. Because I know that I am respected. I know that I have been accepted. My worth does not depend on what you do or what you don't do. My worth depends on what God, what God says about me. I'm going to trust that. And therefore, he has met that need in my life. Because people respond when their needs are not met. Correct. They feel rejected. And when I feel rejected, of course, I feel angry. And when I feel angry, if I don't resolve it, I get bitter. And so on and so on. So the cycle continues. But if I know that my respect does not depend on what you say or what you do. It depends on what God has given me. That need has been met in my life. I think that can serve as a control. It will control for me. It will keep my cool. Now, let, let's, don't go yet. Let's talk about the other aspect of it. So he un, he, she understands her respect comes from God. Yes, uh, she's not going to buy into the lie of whoever is disrespecting her. But at some point, they need to talk about the situation. So what, what, what's the best way of talking about that situation, particularly because we are all in relationships here. We know there are some times when my wife or your wife or your husband will bring some things to you and say, well, I don't, I don't want to talk about it now. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about it yet. And the deferment almost becomes eternal. They don't want to talk about it today. They don't want to talk about it tomorrow. They don't want to talk about it next week, next month. So the gunny sack is getting filled now. Because every time they say no, we can't talk, that's another ball that goes into the sack. And very soon, this sack is going to be full. And so when we dump this filled sack, we don't dump it one at a time. We dump it all at one time. Yeah. And that's where, we, that's where we have the escalation. So how do we maintain sanity and the mind of Christ when my need for a conversation is being deferred? Does, does that complete your yeah. question? Yes, yeah. What, what do you say to that? Speak on the mic. Yes, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I would say you pray about it. Because if I come, like, beating it on you, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. <laughs> it gets to the point where 
it's like I'm putting you under the law. I'm trying to control you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to control you. I want to trust Christ okay. to walk in you. Yes. So I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I will wait for the appropriate time because it's not going to continue, right? You're not going to continue saying, I'm not going to listen to it. I will let it go, but I'll pray about it. And at the appointed time, God's own timing, not my own timing, the Lord is going to convince you. Even if he doesn't convince you, I'm going to be okay with that. Because one, at, one, at some point in time, something is going to come up again. Okay? And that might be the appropriate time. So I'm listening to the Lord. I'm listening to the Spirit. I have the mind of Christ. I am aligning my own mind with the thoughts and purposes of, of Christ. Of course, he will let you know when you are ready to have that conversation with, with me. So the bottom line is to let it go. Amen. So that's a very, very important point. Mm -hmm. Because there are situations where the other partner may not be ready. And yes, it's possible they are not being ready out of controlling the situation. Keep on saying, no, 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 I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. So at that point, what do you do? And that's what he just explained. The flip side of that coin that I want us to understand is that even your eagerness to address the matter may be something that God wants to address in you. You have to be very mindful that even though you think you have a legitimate gripe or grievance that you are dying to talk about, man, when I get home today, I'm going to show him or show her. God may allow the delay to get in an introspection in you so that you will come away and say, you know what, after all, this is, I'm making a mountain out of a mothheel. And let it go. That's very important. So it, it works both ways. But at the end of the day, what he's saying is absolutely correct. You bring it to the table, they are not ready. You are not God. You cannot make them come to the table. Leave it alone and let God deal with it. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. I hear also, um, Thank you. you should know that you have the mind of Christ, right? Yes. If you, if you have the mind of Christ, it is also, um, it's, it's, it's in God's place to do whatever he wants to do. At the end of the day, you are not in control of somebody else, not even your spouse. You cannot change your spouse. You Absolutely. You make them do whatever they need to do or whatever they should do. Correct. All right? And that's why, you know, you commit them to God. And then you do your own part. Make sure you are growing and doing the things that you need to do and fulfilling your own area of responsibility or your, your own part. Right? And at the end of the day, God takes care of everything. He says he works all things together for good. At the end of the day, no matter what the situation is or the circumstance is, even when in a situation where the gunning back comes out all day, there's still <laughs> God there to take charge Amen. and take control of the situation. Amen. But you just make sure you are doing your own part. And let, let me read one scripture and then we're going to go to Pastor Charles. One scripture, Proverbs 16, verse 23, I believe it is, in the, what translation am I looking for? Uh, maybe it's verse 3. Aha, verse 3. Proverbs 16, verse 3. In the, in the Amplified Classic. Proverbs 16, verse 3, in the Amplified Classic. Look at what this is, uh, salvation. Roll your works upon the Lord. 
commit and trust them wholly to him. He, who is he? God. God will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. So we, we invite the mind of Christ into our situation enough where we're committing things to him and say, Jesus, what shall I do? After a while, Jesus will make your thoughts agreeable to his will. So the thing that you thought was bad, so bad, I'm so disrespected, I'm not loved, I'm rejected, you grab and grab and grab. By the time you are grabbing with God for such a long time, you may come and say, you know what, God, this is a wonderful thing. Because it turns it around. Amen? Pastor Charles. Amen. Pastor, I was going to just say exactly what you said. You know, uh, we, we've been taught in this church that relationship is the currency of the spirit. Yes. In other words, a relationship is what allows the current of the Holy Spirit to flow in our lives. Yes. And so God has a greater interest in making sure that relationship is mended. Correct. And in fact, we do ourselves. Amen. But with God, seasons and timings are critical. Correct. And like you said, maybe God is trying to get work something, something out in you. Absolutely. Or he works the thing out through you. Amen. And so, but that wasn't my question. <laughs> you are the Pope. <laughs> so uh, there's a school of thought in Christendom, especially in Pentecostalism, that the unbeliever has nothing to offer the believer. And so when we talk about seeking counsel and getting the mind of Christ, there are those in, church, in the church that believe that nobody, um, only a Christian, only a born-again Christian, has the ability to speak uh, the wisdom of God into a circumstance or a situation that we believe in. And I, I, as I read the scriptures, I don't think Je the, the scriptures do not expressly say that Jethro was a believer or was of the stock of Israel. I don't know. Um, somebody correct me in there. But he gave wise counsel. And there are instances in the scripture of uh, people that weren't, quote-unquote, believers or the household of God providing godly counsel and wisdom to, uh, uh, to believers. So what is your take on that? Can, in fact, as we talk about the mind of Christ, can the mind of Christ be evident in people that don't necessarily profess Christ? And can we take counsel from people like that? Okay, so my, my take on that, and you guys can jump in it. First of all, we must understand that God is sovereign. So God is able to speak through any number of channels. Case in point, Numbers 23. God spoke through an ass. An ass. A-S-S, -S, ass. A donkey. <laughs> when the prophet of God was not listening to God's mind, God used the next available means that the prophet trusted, which was his donkey, to speak to him. So God can use any number of channels. However, as a believer, I want to throw out the caution. Why? Because the Bible is also very clear that the natural mind cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. And it cannot discern them because they are spiritual. Now, does that mean you cannot gain anything from an only believer? If we say that, then you should not go to college. <laughs> you should not go to high school because all of the teachers in high school and colleges are not believers. They're teaching you arithmetic. They're teaching you geography. They, so, so, we are, so you must understand that knowledge of God or, or, or the, things, the things that God can do is not necessarily only channeled through believers. But however, you have to be discerning. Yes. 
That is very, very, very important. You have to be very, very discerning. I will not make an unbeliever my first choice or my priority in a given situation. Now, because we have the mind of Christ, it can lead you to go and talk to this man or this woman, and they may not be believers, and you benefit from them. So I, I just want to put out that. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. Even, even at that, even, even to be honest with you, sometimes there are some believers I won't, I won't ask counsel from. <laughs> because of their mind and you know, their beliefs and the way they do things, even though they are believers, yeah. there's a possibility that they can um, you know, uh, direct you in, I remember for me, uh, it took me so long to believe in the Holy Spirit and what he can do. Why? Because of the way I have been taught and some of the books I read huh. that, were by, that were written by even Christians themselves. So what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, it has to be you listening to God and the Holy Spirit and trying to get direction as to what the Holy Spirit wants to get from you. And like Pastor rightly said, God uses circumstances, he uses situations, he uses donkeys, he uses your dog, he uses anything to talk to you. Yeah. So. A, a, good, a good example of that, very clearly, is money. Money. Look how quiet the governor said money. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you guys are scared. I'm going to raise an offering. No. <laughs> but money. Look at major corporations in America. Microsoft, Warren Buffett, all these Apple, all these guys. They understand their corporate responsibility to sow back. All of them give. They give incredibly. So why, where did they get that from? They may not recognize it. They may not give that glory to God. But somehow God taught them early about how you sow, about the principle of sowing and reaping. So yeah, they, I mean, Jesus said it himself. He said the children of this, of this uh, world are wiser in their generation than children of light. So there are things we definitely can pick up and learn from unbelievers. I just said, be designing. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to add that uh, all wisdom, actually, all wisdom comes from God. There is wisdom in geography that I teach. <laughs> Praise God. There is yeah, yeah. wisdom in science. Yes. There is wisdom in history, except the wisdom of the world. But all wisdom, it comes from God. So it could be from the arts. It doesn't necessarily have to be from a believer. An unbeliever can have that wisdom. Yeah. But the wisdom of the world will not line up with the wisdom of God. And so that's why Pastor Steve, we have to be discerning. Yeah. We distinguish between the wisdom that comes from God, which could be from any subject matter, and that which comes from the world. Amen. Yes, Mariabo? If I'm allowed to make a comment, I think I want to make a comment on what... Um, I mean, really, don't break what your back. Salvation talked about. I think if we just um, try to remember from the spiritual side, you've given all the answers that you need to give. But on the physical side itself, we have to remember, just like we have that there, there's a tree in our brain, and, there, and, and it has millions and billions of, of uh, receptors and receivers, and they're called dendrites. And every time we have negative thoughts, we pull up and I used to be a cannonball. I just used to get angry. And I never knew that was affecting me until I began to realize that I needed to renew my mind. But every time, just remember this, every time that you get into anger, fear, phobia, they call them the dirty dozen. 
remember that those dendrites are falling off. But we, they, they've been damaged. But when we renew our mind, the brain has an amazing ability to build them back up again. So just remember that. Whenever I, 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 when I remember that now, I get angry less. I mean, I'm really satisfied now. What <laughs> the motivation. I used to just get angry. But when I realize that I'm damaging a lot of my dendrites in my brain, and I'm not replacing them by renewing my mind, so if we remember that, we'll be less angry. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Mr. Fidelis, well done. Okay, we are talking of the mind of Christ. And uh, the word of God is talk of, uh, I'm not giving us spirit of fear, but of boldness and of sound mind. Yes. How can a, a Christian stop extreme negative thoughts? Extreme negative thoughts is, is, is in examples. We, we are, maybe you are driving, your, your papers are okay, you are <laughs> not happy. Then you see, you see. The policeman. The police officer. Or you see lights <laughs> and you overwhelm negatively. Or in a situation where you have a headache and your thought is, is it migraine? Or is it uh, a situation where, where your, your, your spirit sends send for you? Say, Come and see me. Or maybe you see your message, ah, come and see me. You, you would think of, is, is he calling you to bless you? <laughs> you, you, only, you only think of, you only think of, what am I doing? So, I just use this as a, where you, you see yourself thinking, more negative, and that brings fear, that brings anxiety, that brings perspiracy, that brings everything negative. So how do you raise it? Amen. I'm going to share my little bit, and I'm sure they're going to jump in and, and share that. What you're saying is true. But the way to address this and most other things when you realize that fear is striking, first, first of all, you cannot, you cannot stop the thoughts coming. They come. The issue is, what do you do? I shared here a while back that I had a heart surgery in 2004. Okay? And since that time, anytime I'm taking a walk or I feel a pinch, I feel a pain on my chest or my shoulder, uh, or maybe I feel a tingling on my arm, immediately, the enemy says, it's coming back. <laughs> I hear just as clear as day. I don't need Dr. Norfolk to interpret it for me. Or I, I hear it. So the issue is, am I going to own that? Or am I going to cast it down? So the issue is, whenever you come upon a situation 
that brings that kind of fear, perspiration, like you said, or anxiety, you have the responsibility to say, not today, devil. Speak it out. Not today, devil. Why? I have the mind of Christ, and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not today. I'm telling you, you say it long enough. Sometimes you say it one time, it's gone. Other times you have to say it and keep on saying it. And keep, why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to declare what God has declared. The promises of God to you in that area of, that you are dealing with must be now boldly declared in you. Because all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus and amen through us. So my role is to say amen to what Jesus has done. And I do that by the spoken word. Hebrews 13, 6. Because he has said, now I can boldly say. You have to do it. But the more you do it, the more those things have less and less power over you. And before you know it, they don't even happen any longer because the enemy knows you found him out in that area. Yeah, I just wanted to add to that. <clears throat> the reason why the enemy deceives us with those, with those thoughts is because he comes in a way that you will really believe it. And how does he do it? He speaks to your mind with a singular term. In other words, he's not going to tell you, Fide, do it. I mean, you will recognize that immediately that it's coming from the outside. But he uses something in the inside of you that tells you, I am going to do it. You see the difference between do it and then I am going to do it. Now, when you believe that, that is, you will believe it is your thought because it is saying, I am going to do it. I am going to do it. And then you immediately believe that this is my thought. It's not your thought. The enemy has coined that statement to reflect that it is your thought. You know, we often say that you, can, that you cannot prevent the bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent it from perching on your head. But the scripture makes it clear, I think it's in first second Corinthians chapter 10, that the weapons of our warfare, they are not cannon, but they are mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds. Yep, second Corinthians 5. Down, casting down those imaginations. Yes. That the enemy wants you to believe that they come from you, but they don't come from you. He says you cast it down, bringing every thought toward obedience of Christ. Obedience of Christ. Bring those thoughts to the mind of Christ every time, to the purposes, to the thoughts, and the counsel of God. And you keep doing that. If you don't accept, cast it down. Amen. Cast down those imaginations, those strongholds. The enemy puts those strongholds down. Strongholds actually means those thoughts. That have you know uh, made you a slave. You are you are bound by those things. He says, cast them down because they don't come from you. Amen. Good. I think you have, and then glory. Yes, my question is somewhat oh, related to the last question. Yes. Um, as one grows older and more mature in the Lord, you have fewer instances of negative thoughts flashing through your head every moment. 
they get fewer and fewer, hopefully. Hopefully, but, that's the key word. Yeah, my <laughs> question is, does one really ever get to that point that strange, unhealthy, ungodly thoughts don't ever cross your mind? Or is this a, a battle that is going to last forever? <laughs> it's a battle you fight until you see him face to face. <laughs> yes, because... And, and remember, the, it's the, the negative thought, like he said, that he was teaching are not really your thoughts. So they will always come. But the thing is, what do you do with them? Yes. So yeah. they will always be there. The negative thoughts will be there. But are you entertaining them or are you resisting them? That would be the question. So don't... Okay, no, go ahead, go ahead. Finish. As far, you know, thoughts coming or not coming, you are going to always have that. Yeah. So I'm not concerned about how many thoughts I have. I'm concerned about what do I do about them. Because I cannot control thoughts. I can't control how many birds fly in the sky. I can't control how many dots is being thrown at me. But I can control how, on how I respond. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Gift. OK. Um, what about situations where um, you're dealing with somebody that could be responding in a way where you're not having the mind of Christ? But the minute you bring in, like, you bring yourself under the Holy Spirit and, like, you're actively acting on having that mind of Christ, situations get worse. And it almost leaves you like, at that point, you feel like you just failed. I'm like, oh, let's say you're dealing with a coworker who the way you guys interact is always very harsh. You're like, just, we are, I mean, everybody has those coworkers where they just can't stand them. But um, <laughs> the minute you bring in that, oh, trying to be neat, like have a mixed spirit and like more, bring yourself under the Holy Spirit, maybe they lash out on you or you're seeing yourself being insulted or just talked at one. So, and then it creates a dominant effect because maybe your other coworkers are now looking at you like, oh, Gift is just a pushover. She's just somebody you can speak to anyhow. So it almost makes you feel like, oh, in that particular situation, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Was that even the right thing, like the right way to handle it, even though like we're talking about it, that is the way like we're expected to handle it. So how do you handle a situation where things like that, even anything in your life, it just makes things quote unquote worse? And it could be dealing with a spouse, it could be dealing with a friend, anything. Just how, how, how do you handle that? Okay. Let me make sure I understand what you're saying. So you are leaving out the mind of Christ in the situation yeah. and seemingly the more you leave that out, the worse the circumstance becomes. Yeah. Especially in a relational type situation. Okay. I'm going to let them jump in, but let me just say my two cents here. First of all, you must understand that the mind of Christ, the outcome you're designing is not, it cannot just be your outcome. It has to be his outcome. Let, let, let us sink in. Because you and I judge a situation by the outcome we get out of it. So I'm nice to you, and therefore, my outcome, my desired outcome is you, you reciprocate. That, God don't think like that. That's the first thing you need to understand. The fact that I'm nice to you does not mean that he necessarily will be nice back to me. Now, it would be nice if he was. But that's not always the case. Case in point. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. How is the world responding to that? 
as I'm speaking to you, there are those that are blaspheming his name right now. They hate him. Some people still hate him. Now, but does that stop God being God? No. His essence is love. He cannot help that. In fact, Jesus is another example. Those he came to save were the ones that killed him. So the question is, how come they didn't recognize that this guy is here to save us? They killed him. So I'm saying this to us. First of all, settle that issue. Don't think that because I am walking in the mind of Christ, everything around me, all my relationships, all my friends will acknowledge it, recognize it, and clap for me. The natural man does not understand these things of spiritual God. And even like Pastor Larry said, some believers, Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3. They are more than, um, some, some believers are believing like mere men, he says. So we first take that off the table. The desired outcome in every situation should be what he wants, not what you want. And that's why the scripture we just read in Proverbs 6, 16, 3 is important. You commit your ways to God. Roll your works over to him. And he, God, will cause your ways to be agreeable to his will. So in other words, I'm looking for this good outcome. It's not happening. And if I continue to look at it through my own eyes, I get discouraged, I get burnt out. I say, man, it's not working. But if I stay before God long enough, God begins to convince me that after all, you know, bank, gift, maybe the way you're looking at it is not the way I'm looking at it. In what looks like a bad situation, I'm working something good out of it. It's just, you've just not seen it yet. So what I'm going to say to you is, Keep on doing what you're doing. The result belongs to God. Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. The increase don't belong to you. It belongs to God and it comes from God. But the responsibility to live like God, to live like Christ and yield to him belongs to us as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. One would think that Jesus loved the world, the world should applaud him and love him back. But we know how that ended. Send him to the cross. But as it was on that cross, give them forget. The one that was being humiliated said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Love always excuses bad behavior. Always. So if I'm in a situation where I'm loving, I'm demonstrating the love of God, the mind of Christ, and people are not responding, at the end of the day, I will make an excuse for them. I'm not going to judge them, criticize them, or condemn them. I'll make an excuse for them. They don't get it yet. They'll get there one day. That's what God does. I, I, I heard you say that there are some that you cannot stand, right? Yeah. There are those that you cannot stand. The question that came to me is, wow, did God stand you? So maybe by their, by their refusing to, uh, uh, to let you have the result that you wanted, maybe God wants to work in you. Maybe God wants to work out patience in you so that you can stand people. Because patience, you know what, uh, I think the, the uh, King James Version, he doesn't call it patience. He calls it long suffering. 
long-suffering. Maybe God wants to work long-suffering in you. And maybe if you come to that place where you can now begin to stand people, then maybe you will not be troubled by their responses. You will trust God for them. And let me just add this to it. That from all the questions I've been hearing, I think one of the areas of the mind of Christ that we are not taking, uh, we're not paying attention to very well, is that area of perspective, the perspective of God. Yeah. We have to look at things from God's perspective. And I think that one of our prayers or one of our listening to God and the Holy Spirit is help me to have a perspective. Amen. To see the situation the way you are seeing the situation. Amen. So that we cannot judge it, so that we're not going to judge it from, oh, okay, this guy's nice to me, uh, or because this guy's not nice to me, it means it's not working. Right? It may not, you know, things may not be looking like you want them to look. That's good. But yet it's working. That's good. So the fact that things are not going your way doesn't mean God is not working or the things of God are not working. That's good. It is just to have the perspective of God. That's, that's good. Yeah, that's what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 23. I believe he said, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Amen? So at the end of the day, it, belong, it belongs to God. So you just do your part and let God do his part. Yeah. Amen? Okay, this is a dual here. I see the dual of, uh, oh, was he up? Okay. All right. This my by the way, you guys look at this man. It's governor. <laughs> I'm calling those things that be not as though they are. <laughs> Just remember us when you become governor. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, it's about the dualist sack that you spoke about. Uh, yes. Okay, all, th all things are love for all things are not expedient. Okay. Yes. Uh, I want to believe, if I want to extrapolate, it might be he was putting it in a gully sack. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to see a uh, gully sack, does it, is it all disadvantages or it has an advantage? I want to believe, I mean, you can correct me, that a gully sack also has a purpose, but we have to discern. Because scientifically, scientifically, there is nothing that can explode except you reach a critical weight. How do we discern when a critical weight is near so we can start addressing issues? That's number one. Number two, <laughs> if we do not have a gunny sack in our homes, in our workplaces, we might be having a chaotic situation in our hands every day, every minute. So, um, can, can you qualify that? Chaotic situation never can even with how? That's if everything that happens negatively, you are dressed at that moment, okay. then it might be the not my peace that we're looking for. Okay. So, uh, so I want to, um, I want to ask, is the gunny sack necessary? Or is it all disadvantages? Because when you mention it on Wednesday, it didn't say it has an advantage, but I'm just putting it from Paul's perspective. Yeah. If he said it wasn't expedient at that time, they probably would have put it in a gunny sack, waiting for time to address it. Very good. Very, very good. Okay, let me see, how do we unpack that? All things are lawful, all things are not expedient. So the gunny sack is not necessarily all evil. 
But for each one of us, and there's no measurement for this. I, I cannot give you uh, two by two, three by five, or a rule that has to guide gunny sacks. Each individual knows our capacity to handle stress, our capacity to handle anger unaddressed. So each person will have to decide when is this gunny sack too heavy for me to bear? I don't think there's a standard measure across the board. So there are some things that are in my gunny sack that, you know what, I can live with this. I don't have to uh, talk about this now. However, if the trend continues and I keep on piling that sack, a time comes when it's full. And when it becomes full, it's out of my hands now. I have to pour it out. That's a challenge. So I think for each person, you're going to have to determine is everything necessary to talk about? Like Paul said, all things are lawful, all things are not expedient. In other words, there are things that happen. I may not like it, but I can overlook it. We need to make that determination. Is it every time your son wears a red sock instead of a white, you're going to say, ah, that's, that's, that's ugly. Why are you doing that? Or are you going to let something slide? If it's, if, it's not, if it's not something that is detrimental, that's going to cause damage, and there are things we can overlook, and it will correct itself. But there are other things that if you overlook long enough, it may cause other things to go bad. So each person has to make that de decision. I, I don't know if, if, if does, does that make any sense? Let, let me. Yeah. Let me try and, you know, just come from where Pastor is. Uh, for me, here's how something's function for me, right? I have, some, I have some things I call value. We have values here that we have, you know, we have set out for this year. Those things are supposed to be prisons from which we see a lot of things. things okay. That are valuable to us and things that are not valuable to us. And so, for my relationship with my children and even my wife and all that, I have some values, right? There are some things that if, you know, if, if those things happen, I weigh them based on those, you know, my value systems, and no matter what it is, it really does not matter to me. It does not, it does not become a problem. Right? So, say, say for instance, um, my, let me, you know, uh, in the area of uh, academics and, and, and stuff like that, I'm just, I just want them to do well. That's all I want them to do. I want them to do well. I want them to, you know, put in their best. Right? So, whether they get an A or a D or a B or, or whatever, it's not really the issue. The issue is have you, have you put on, you know, have you, have you, you know, put on your best, put in your best there? Because that's one of the values that we have in our house. Right? Just do your best. Right? So if I'm going, if he, if he comes in and he's not doing very well in those kind of areas, the thing is just to encourage him and just to, you know, help him go. He's not going to go into any gun and say, you know, that's the way you always fail. You always do this. <laughs> 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 those are not the issues. Right? So what I'm saying is that, you know, we, we, we have some systems. We have some things that, you know, we can, I'm talking about personally now. Some things that we can agree. And then the gun thing, I would like to define it. The positive ones, I would like to define it as your heart. Right? If things, things that you do that are right, that are good, and that are working for you, I think that they have a place in your heart where they can go back and listen. Because the way we talk about the gunny, by own understanding of the way we talk about the gunny uh, sack, is just that, you know, we keep piling things there, yeah. we keep piling things, we keep piling things and piling things there. So I don't want us to mix those two, uh, those two things. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. I, I don't want us to mix them up. Okay. That's good. So That's good. Your 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 gunny is a place. That gunny sack is a place where you buy everything. If those things are not negative, then you don't have a gunny sack. That's good. That's a good point. You're right. So that's you a good have point. your heart where those things work. That's a but good point. If when you know you keep you know if something's that negative, okay. you cannot hold on, you cannot hang on to it. Okay. And that's why you have a gunny sack which explodes. That's good. That's and, a good point. And, 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 Thanks for that clarity. So this is what he's saying, and I agree with it. For good things that happen to us, we have a place where we call emotional capital. Change that goes to your pocket. Your wife could get a nice meal, your kids are doing well, you got a promotion at work. All of those things are emotional capital that, you, that change in your pocket that comes to you as a result of the good experience. That's totally different from a gunny sack. Gunny sack is used to keep things that are not that good. Sack of potatoes, okay? If you stay, if sack of potatoes stay there long enough, it's not rotten. So that's, that's the same concept. So a gunny sack is for some things that are really not desirable. But the things that are good are emotional change, capital that you get and save. And, you know, from time to time, you spend out of that capital because it's, good, it's a good experience. So yeah, gunny sack, yeah, if you can deal with it, then you don't need to, you don't need to put it in the gunny sack. What goes in this gunny sack are things that you really want to address, but it's not done. Yeah. Well, um, I'm a bit uh, <laughs> confused. Okay. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, mm -hmm. uh, in 24 hours of a day, yes, you have issues that come your way. Yes. That you would have loved to address. Correct. Uh, but the time and the conditions are not there. Be Correct. I do not believe that uh, maybe we can refresh the word God is sack. There has to be where you keep those things waiting for the right time before you discuss them. Yes. Because if you don't have such a provision, yes. uh, maybe we can call it a, a, a pending bag. <laughs> if you want to address every issue as it comes, you might not have a good home or a good office to work with. So I just want to say, in my own record, I believe that okay, a pending bag might be necessary in every in a lot of situations, so that there will be peace, and then you find a certain time to do those things. Maybe you can take someone out for lunch, take someone out, you know, spoil him or her, and then use that opportunity to remove from that sack and discuss. I don't want I don't want to because I felt guilty when you were discussing the gunny sack on Wednesday. Okay. I have it. Yeah. Uh, if, if maybe you can refresh the term <laughs> to be more user friendly. Yes. Okay. So I am We're speaking the same thing. Yeah. So if you use the pending box, yes. and you still don't address the pending box, it's still gonna be an explosion. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what semantics you use. Gunny sack, pending box, the issue is being reasonable to know that you cannot talk issues every day. It wears you out, it creates another tension of itself. However, you understand that in time, you and whoever you're dealing with will sit down and discuss whatever things need to be discussed. That's, uh, that's game. That's good. Maybe an expression that we use in, 
in strategic planning is called hmm. parking lots. Maybe <laughs> they call it a parking lot issue. You park it in the parking lot. Okay. Okay. All right. Sheku, did you have something? No. Okay. The, All right. The, 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 the biblical basis. Yes. Because I'm still looking at the God side. Yeah. And I'm glad it's not in the Bible. But the um, biblical basis, the biblical basis for the God side, mm -hmm. I think comes from the, uh, what, what Paul talked about anger. Talk about what? Anger. Anger. Okay. Yeah. He says, be angry and yet do not sin. Okay. Yeah. I do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. That's the point. Yeah. On your wrath. Yeah. In other words, yeah. don't keep the gun aside when it comes to anger. Yeah. It says resolve it. Yeah. And there might be a better time to resolve it. Correct. It doesn't have to be that you have to resolve it immediately. Yes. I think when it says that do not let the sun come down yes. on your anger, and then yes. he asks, do not give the devil the room. Correct. Do not Correct. give the devil. Correct. The room. Correct. And so there might not be, it may not, like if, if the source of the anger was in the night, <coughs> the source of the anger was in the night. Hmm. Hear me. And um, your rationalism may removed. Is <laughs> in the night. Now, considering that you have to resolve that in the night when the time is not right, it might be resolved the following day be resolved in the afternoon. But what he's saying that as you keep doing that, as you throw, keep throwing it under the carpet, you are giving room to the devil to magnify that, that thing, to bring thoughts that were not there before, to bring reasonings that were not there before. So it's always good for us to resolve it. Um, I don't know if you turn very bad, but very sad, but just resolve it when the time is appropriate. That's the key, when the time is appropriate. And uh, it's true. The context of, of even that Ganesha was regarding to anger, not allowing things to fester and just, you know, deal with it as soon as you are able because anger that is not addressed, your attitude starts changing. And that is, it starts affecting everything that's around you. And even you may not be conscious of it, but you're just mad. Like Mahoyibo just said, he was always angry. And this uh, thing, was, uh, the brain was going to explode, according to him. So, dead rise. <laughs> the dead rise, okay. <laughs> I'm not a scientist, so it's dead. So, your genders are all complete now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last questions, and then we'll be on our way. Okay, so you talked about the point of context um, to a negative mind. Um, my question is um, well, you said there are exposure, thinking, feeling, and okay. your decision. Yeah. So, for exposure, okay, so before I say that, you say, like, not to judge. So for my exposures, if I'm walking away from those things, am I judging them if I don't need them, like, in my circle anymore if I walk away? Because my thought was, like, even though I know that they're, they might be bad for me, that I can probably still bring them to Christ or at least um, if they see it through me if I stay around. But if I, like, completely walk away, am I judging them? Or am I supposed to walk away from my bad exposures? You make that determination as to when or if you walk away from bad exposure. Because if the thing is not edifying you, and if the Spirit of God in you is saying to you, I don't want you, that, that will not help you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm convincing you that you are holy, you are accepted, you are perfect. All those things that God is speaking to you. 
and you choose to walk away because you want to obey the prompting of the Spirit of God, that's fine. Now, for those that used to do it with you, it's not up to me to tell them what to do. When they see me walk away, and if they ask me, Bank, why are you not doing this with us any longer? Then that's my opportunity. Oh, I'm not doing it anymore because, and you give that because. You are, you are the one that can answer that blank, blank. I'm not doing it any longer because for me, it does not glorify God. It does not edify me. Leave it at that. You are not judging them. They ask for your opinion. They ask you a question, and you answered. But when you answer, you don't answer out of arrogance. Oh, no, I can't watch that because that's of the devil, and all you guys are going to hell. If you do it like that, <laughs> they will not receive it. But if you answer with meekness and with love and just say, you know what, I just discovered that every time I watch this thing, it does X, Y, Z to me, and I just feel that God would not want me to participate in that any longer. And because I'm not participating, these are the results. This is what's happening in my life. You give a testimony. And then let, let them put it wherever they want to put it. But I'm not, I can't go around the world and say, Hollywood, shut down. These movies are crazy. Hey, uh, Disney, don't do this any longer. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can't do it. But you can choose to say, I will not participate. I won't be a part of that any longer. That's your choice. But I will not judge those that are in there. Why will I not judge, why will I not judge them? There was a time when I used to do it. And now God has given you light, you're out of it. Because you are out of it does not now mean you go back and judge them. You are not the judge of the earth. Does that help you? Yes. Yeah. Can I have one more? Sorry. Sure, sure. Um, so you were talking about like in Genesis 2.19, ah. um, Adam had the same mind as God. Mm -hmm. um, so my question is, and maybe wow. it's just me thinking or whatever. Um, so that was before he was introduced to sin. Yes. So wouldn't it be easier for him to be one with Christ? Because he hasn't even experienced sin. So when, I guess when you were telling us that we already have that mind of Christ, but we've already sinned and sometimes keep sinning. So how's it, I just felt like it was easier for him. So how can it be like, not even easier, but how can it be something that we do consistently? Okay. Very, very good question. Very, very, in fact, it's so good you, you get. <laughs> you see that? I bought a bunch, but you guys didn't ask enough questions. Come, 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 come. That's good. You see that? You see what you guys missed? <laughs> I'm putting it back up before I answer this question. <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Monopoly Monday, exactly. This is what we were talking about earlier. This is a very, very good question. Adam created in innocence like God because he had the image and likeness of God and God willing to demonstrate that to the world and even to us now. Said to Adam, here are all the animals I've created. I'm God, I can name them. But you are my co-regent. Adam, you and I rule the world. What I will have called them is what you will call them. Why? Because you have my mind. So Adam, I'm relinquishing to you the right to call them any name. And he named them all, and God did not come back and said, no, you are wrong about this one. Chimpanzee should be a donkey. He didn't say that. 
He didn't say that. So that's a demonstration to us what's available to us now. So I think your question is now, because me and you now live in this world uh, that's been invaded with sin, and therefore, do we have the capacity to operate the way Adam operated? Is that, is that your question? The answer is yes. But I'm going to let him explain to you why we are the way we are and how we can now bring the mind of God to bear on our daily living so we also can function the way Adam functioned before the fall. Use natural terms. Don't use biology. Don't use, <laughs> don't use theology. <laughs> the uh, situation that you have uh, described happened in Genesis 2, right? Yeah. There was no sin there. Correct. Sin came in, in, Gen in uh, Genesis 3. Sin entered the world. In fact, I think Paul talks about it in um, Romans 5. Yeah. That through Adam, sin came into the world. Yes. And what sin does is that sin affects every aspect of our being. Not only does it affect our spirit, it affects our soul, it affects our body. Our soul is made up of the mind, which houses our thoughts and our perceptions. It's also made up of our emotions, the way we feel. Also made up of our will, the way we make decisions. So sin came in and disrupted, corrupted everything. Corrupted our spirit, corrupted our mind. We don't think right. We have a distorted view of God. We have a distorted view of ourselves. We have a distorted view of others. It corrupts our decision. The way we make decisions, we choose to do things the way we want it, not the way that God wants it. It disrupted our emotions. We don't feel, we feel anger instead of love. So all those things, have happened to us, and that is why the Bible calls, you know, the you know the uh, uh, you know the natural mind depraved, depravity. But when you receive Jesus Christ Amen. as your Lord and Savior, that's right. Everything changes. You have a new spirit. Mm -hmm. You have a new heart. Because that is in terms of the new covenant. Say, so I will write my laws upon your mind. In other words, your mind is no longer that mind that was distorted. You had uh, uh, a complete distortion of who you are and who and of who God is. You now have a sound mind. You have now received the mind of Christ. And so your mind has changed. Even though you still have your mind, but you still have the mind of Christ, which is also in your mind. And so on moment-by-moment moment basis, you have the choice. To either align your mind to the mind of Christ that is in you, and then you walk in perfect behavior. However, if you do not align your mind with the mind of Christ, then you will not be thinking right. You have a distorted view of yourself. You have a choice to align your will, because God gave us a free will, right? Yes. You have a choice to align your will with the will of God. So everything works according to like the will is like the boss. You have that free will. And God has given you, you know, the power to align your will, the power to also align your mind with the mind of Christ so that you can now begin to operate like Adam operated before sin came in. In fact, we have a better thing than what Adam did. Absolutely. We have a better thing than Adam did. Because we have the Holy 
Spirit resident in us. Yes. He's joined to us. Yes. The Holy Spirit will never leave Amen. us. He will never leave us. We are now one with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have all these resources from God that is available to us. And all you have to do is to make that choice to use what he has given us. I, I just want last thing. Yes. I just want last thing to help clarify our question. Where does the propensity to sin now come? Where does it come? So why, as a believer now, why do I still sin? Why is sin still desirable to me? Yeah. You remember, um, I think, in Genesis 4, yeah. when Cain was depressed, and Cain was depressed when God did not accept uh, his, uh, offering. his offering. And God said, why are you depressed? He said, when you are depressed, sin is what? Crouching at the door. door. And the desire of that sin is to control you. So sin has come in. And that sin dwells not in our spirit, not in our soul. But Paul said that that sin, which is the principle of sin, the power of sin, the law of sin, according to Romans 7, dwells in our members. There you go. Dwells in our members, in our bodily members. When it looks good, watch it. That is uh, such a when, 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 it, when it sounds good, yes. listen to it. Yep. Even though it does not edify you. Yep. When it feels good, touch it. Yep. Even though it doesn't edify you. So the five senses, yes. the enemy using the power of sin, using the principles of sin, can use that you know, to cause us to sin, to, to give us a propensity. There you go. Even though you are a believer, you are spirit-filled, you can choose that choose to walk according to the flesh, which is in alignment with the power of sin, which also works with Satan, who is on the outside. So there is sin that indwells my body. Yes, God has taken authority as, you know, he says that under grace, under grace, then we are not under sin. However, we can choose to put ourselves under sin, which operates through our members. So there is that always that question. There is still sin that indwells us. But that sin, he says, shall not have dominion over you because you are under grace and not under the law. Let, let me just really make a, a very important point from what he said, which should help you and help most of us. Like he said, Romans chapter 7, still sin still dwells in our members. Members meaning our body. Not your spirit, not your soul. When your bodies. A classical example of that is before Christ, if I used to enjoy drinking, alcohol. Now, since Christ, did the taste of the alcohol leave me? Do I remember how good alcohol was? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay, let, let me use another one fornication. Everybody understands fornication. If a person used to fornicate before Christ, they are not born again. Uh, uh, do you think the enjoyment involved in the act suddenly leaves them? No. Absolutely not. Fornication is fornication. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Moses, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 24, 25. Let me read it. It said, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather 
to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the plus, passing pleasures of sin. He made a choice. He understood what sin was. He, and I'm glad the Bible did not say sin was, it's sin, that sin was not pleasurable. He said the pleasures of sin. There are some sins that are very pleasurable. Very, very pleasurable. But he had to make a choice. So you remember how pleasurable it is in his members. How it used to make him feel as a human being. How the enjoyment he derived out of it as a human being. His members, his body remembered all those things. But in spite of that, he had to make a choice. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. As he rightly said, sin dwells in our members. It's there. We, we used to participate. Your members remember it, knows it. And there will always be a pull to go back and do it. But you have to make a choice. I'm going to allow the man of Christ in me to dictate what I do rather than follow the pleasures of my members. Does that, does that help you? Good. One, the last one. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Support person. <laughs> I love it. Why well, I say, oh, ladies and gentlemen, oh, Pastor, oh, Pastor Shina has something. Good. Yes. Mike, microphone. <laughs> so, so even when we sin, in all our struggles with sin, which Christ already taken care of, we should never be condemned. Amen. Because he will not condemn us. Yes. Amen. He paid that price already, and he's going to work on us and work in us until we get to where he wants to be. Amen. Amen. As you struggle daily, as you try to do the right thing, and the members of your body keep failing you, you keep trusting Christ. Yeah. And he will make the members of our body to align with what Christ has yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so that concludes the kingdom conversation for this February second Sunday. Yeah. Hallelujah. God bless you. My Onyebo takes over now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we just give you thanks. We bless your name, Lord Jesus, for the privilege, the opportunity to sow the seed of your word, to bring clarity to your people. We thank you, for, Father God, that the engrafted word of God through which we have spoken is able to save our souls and, and establish us. Thank you, Father God, that we walk, we have the mind of Christ and every negative thought do not come from us, do not belong to us. We do not embrace them. We do not receive them. We receive your grace gift of righteousness. We thank you that we have the mind of Christ. And as a result of that, Lord Jesus, we are in communication with you, praying. We are in service with you, serving one another. We are in sharing with you, sharing of your goodness and of your glory. And yes, we are giving of our substance and of ourselves for the advancement of your kingdom. Thank you, Father. We bless you now in Jesus' name.